Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. We're going to read verse 1 through 14. And if you have children kindergarten through first grade, they can go to children's church. See Mr. Brian's over there, and they're going to go. We are continuing our series of Thriving in Babylon. And it's interesting because in the scriptures, and you get to this chapter in Daniel 7, you change from a biographical picture of Daniel and to his visions of the future and the kingdom to come. And so as we look at this, I want us to be encouraged. And as we dive through the message of Daniel, the message that God gave Daniel, may it encourage us to strengthen us to live even more faithfully today and equip us for today. So let's read beginning in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 1 through 14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the dream, and here is the summary of his account. Daniel said, in my vision at night I was watching, and suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. Four huge beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, but had an eagle's wings. I continued watching until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground, set on his feet like a man, and given a human mind. Suddenly another beast appeared, a second one. It looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up, gorge yourself uh, on your flesh. While I was watching, another beast appeared. It was like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. It had four heads and was given authority to rule. And while I was watching in the night visions, a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful and incredibly strong with large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and it trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the beasts before it and it had ten horns. While I was considering the horns, suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. They were the eyes, excuse me, there were eyes in this horn like a man's, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. His wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out of his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Tens of thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was convened, and the books were open. I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words the horn was speaking. As I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their authority to rule was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. And I continued watching in the night visions. And I saw one, like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Let us pray. God, I pray this morning as those who have come who need to hear the gospel, I pray today that they would see the truth and that they would meet Jesus and they would be saved. 
And I pray for those who are here that need encouragement because of a trial or a sifting that is going in their their life right now, that they would see the glories and hopes of the gospel that they have in their lives that helps them to be overcomers and to be victorious. And I pray today that if there is something here that is in our mind that is of unworthy nature or of something that we are, are against your word, may we be convicted and may we be changed and made new. In Jesus' name, amen. End time narratives are very popular. And if you're to build a crowd or to draw a crowd, you could easily draw one by saying, hey, we're going to preach about the end times. We're going to talk about the end times. They just come like out of the woodworks when we talk about that in the, in the church and, and in elsewhere, in the secular life. I mean, every secular world has some sort of idea or teaching or philosophy. But also in our current secular world, there's a popular books upon books about how the end will happen and movies that are made that 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 dream or think of what the future might hold and everybody has their own theory it, it could be killer viruses or an asteroid hitting the earth or floods or or uh, my favorite lethal machines uh, the machines are coming to get us uh, or or aliens or or whatever the world has many different philosophies and thoughts of how the world will end. But you know, I think this speaks to a unique thing that is in humanity's hearts and minds. They know that this world couldn't possibly be all that there is. Maybe it's we long for something better because we look around and we see so much bad. We see on the news or on the, in, in the internet, we see floods and famine, we see terrorist attacks, we see immorality being normalized. I also believe that there is a hope that there is something better for us. But all the world may wonder what the end looks like, but we are thankful as believers because we have the testimony of the inerrant word of God that teaches us about the future, and the certainty of the new heaven and the new earth. It's called Bible apocalyptic writing. We'll see that in the book of Revelation. We'll see that in Daniel. Sometimes we see it throughout other books of the Bible. And what is this? Well, Bible apocalyptic writing is a revelation of the ending of the present age, which is an age characterized by conflict and its replacement by a final age of peace. It shows us ahead of time the end of the kingdoms of this world and their replacement by the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. See, apocalyptic literature and writing is a proclamation of a theology of hope to a world that is suffering under sin. And it reminds us that God is on the throne now and he will forever will be on the throne. So whatever the present cost of following and obedience and of being a believer in Jesus Christ, we realize that obedience is the only way because it is in God that we will be safe. It is in God that we have hope. It is in God that we have a future. 
Though the propagandists of this world, those who would want us to take our hope from Christ, those who would want us to look to say that this world is all that there is, this they proclaim resistance is futile. But we read the Bible and we see something totally different. We see that we cannot succumb to this world's way of thinking. We are believers reminded of a future victory in Jesus Christ. This is not a fairy tale that we hope, but this is the revelation of Jesus, the the resurrected Savior, to his people to proclaim his victory and his kingdom. So we can be sure and we can be equipped with this knowledge of the future That helps us face today. And so as we look at these verses, I want us to see how the coming kingdom gives us hope. How the coming kingdom gives us hope. The first one is this. The coming kingdom gives us hope because it takes our eyes off the beasts in our life. Now, I'm not going to read this because it's filled with um, illustrations and allusions. You can go back and read that. But Daniel here receives a vision from God. And in it, we see it was during the first year of the reign of Belshazzar. If you remember, Belshazzar was a king during the writing on the wall. Now, that must have been a dark time because Belshazzar, until that point, never asked for help from Daniel, the true prophet of God. Not until his very last day when his kingdom was overthrown and he called Daniel in to say, why is this writing? What does this mean? And Daniel said, your end is near. And the end was that day. And that's when it happened. During that dark time, God was not silent. God gave a vision to Daniel of a hope and a future, a future for the people of Jerusalem who was in exile and a future for all believers that we must give hope in. Now, it begins with these visions of four beasts. As you look at the four beasts, many different people will say that these are different kingdoms or empires or rulers. And this parallel vision of Daniel chapter 2 is is similar because we remember the statue that that Nebuchadnezzar saw in the dream. Uh, There is very clear that the first kingdom was Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, that it would fall. But that's where the story, that's where commentators would argue or go to different routes. Was it the, was it the Medio-Persia empire and then Greece and then Rome? Or was it Babylon, Media, then Persia, then Greece? Uh, whatever the, the, the proclamation that God was giving, there was a clear message of hope that God was giving. And the reality of this, that in this world, there are always going to be a battle with beasts or evil and sin that us as believers will face. I mean, you could argue many different realms or possibilities or moments in history that God would have revealed to Daniel that day. But you could look at any kingdom. You could talk about the speed of the, the lion with the, with the uh, wings, and it could be the Greece empire and how fast it moved across the globe. It could be a really Nazi Germany as they, remember they had this symbol of the eagle-like or the, the bird-like figure that they wanted to dominate the whole world. Whatever king or kingdom this world places its trust in god says they are but beasts compared to my kingdom it is a reminder to us that evil takes many forms but evil will never prevail 
And it applies to the beasts that haunt and hunt our lives. Maybe we're struggling with a sin of lack of self-control. Maybe we struggle because we want the appeasement and attention of others. Maybe we struggle with anxiety and anger. Or maybe we struggle with bigger beasts such as layoffs or cancer or the loss of a marriage. Remember that your enemy is not of this world, but of Satan and his evil forces. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. So whether you are today are struggling with sin in your life, you can know this. The hope of the future is not being conquered by sin, but it is freedom in Christ. So as you struggle with sin, you know, oh no, Jesus paid it all. I am free. I am not controlled by sin any longer. It does not have any control over me. And maybe you struggle today because you are afraid of a loss of something, a loss of treasure or property. But you can look that square in the eye and say, oh no, I do not have that as the ruler of my heart because I know all the treasure and riches of heaven is in store for me. And anything this world has is worthless compared to that. Or maybe you're struggling with physical struggles. You can be reminded of the future that holds for you a resurrected body, reminding that we are in but a temporary form, a temporary body, a temporary flesh, a temporary tent, the scripture says, that we know this flesh will fail, but the resurrected body that is to come will not fail. And we can have hope that even as we struggle here, there is a great future ahead. So what does the great future have for us? It helps us to take the focus off the beasts and the struggles and the trials and the temptations that we have and helps us to look at the glorious future that is in store. But it also, number two, a hope of the future helps us to trust that God is sitting as judge over time. Let's read together verses 9 through 12 because this is the greatest, one of the greatest pictures of God that we would get in Scripture. In verse 9 it says, I kept watching. Thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and his hair was headed like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blaming fire blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing coming out of his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. Tens of thousands and times tens of thousands stood before him. The court was convened and the book was opened. I watched then because the sound of the arrogant words of the horn was speaking. As I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. And as for the rest of the beasts, their, beasts, their authority to rule was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. Here, Daniel sees a courtroom scene where the beasts were come to be judged and they were brought before this judge. Who was this judge? Well, he is named the Ancient of Days. 
And who is this Ancient of Days? Well, he was robed in pure white, showing his holiness and purity. His hair was pure white, signifying his pure wisdom as being the true and only God. His throne had burning fire. And friends, this wasn't fire decals like you see on a, a car. This was true fire at his throne. And this fire was not burning up the throne. It is symbolic of the same flames that were of the burning bush that did not burn the rest of the bush. This is the true, one true God who had come to judge all those beasts. And then this, we see that God was shown as the only one who can control times and epochs. If you notice what happened, that God had the true final word for all these beasts, that he, maybe some of them were given authority for just a little while, but instead they were cut, their days were cut short. God was over this. He was in this. He is the ruler and friends just as he was and will be. He is over all things right now. As we read the rest of Daniel chapter 7, we see in verse 17 and 18, we see his conquering nature. That the, uh, In verse 17 it says, These huge beasts, four in number, are four kings who will rise from the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. In verse 21 to 22 it says, And I was watching his horn wage war against the holy ones and was prevailing over them until when the Ancient of Days arrived and And a judgment was given in favor of the holy ones of the Most High, for the time had come, and the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. What is this? This is a reminder to us that the God of the universe is judging all times and controlling all things, and will one day give the world and everything in it to his believers and to his followers and to his children. So let me ask you this, just as the scripture would. If God is for us, who can be against us? If the God of the universe is with you, who in the world can compare to him? What in the world can compare to him? You need to take heart because this same God, this same judge, the one mighty over all the universe hurts when you hurt and is with you when you fail and is over you and around you when you're scared and If you see what the world is facing before you, take your eyes off the temporal and lift your head to the majestic judge, the Holy One of Israel. Because Him is the God over the universe. And be encouraged because that God loves you. A friend of mine was struggling through a cancer treatment. She'd gone after medication after medication and she had she had been given this medication and assured this was what was going to help her and after months and months of this treatment she received a letter from her doctor that said this treatment is not working we need to change your medicine this was a blow to my friend and as we were sitting there she showed me that letter And she said, they may want to change my medication, but nothing can change my God. Friends, her hope 
was his one true God who was working all things out in her life. She had trust in him because she knew the ultimate victory was in his hands. Do you need encouragement today? Well, hear this because the God, the ancient one, the ancient of days is working all things for his glory and for your good. The future hope is that our hope rests in him. And let us be encouraged. And finally, the scriptures help us to see that if we have hope in the future, it helps us to trust the king who loves us. This triumphant verse in 13 and 14 helps us to see how we have hope in the future. It said, I continue watching in the night visions, and I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him, and he was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Look, this vision isn't done. Daniel saw the ancient of days, but then there's someone else came onto the scene. Look, who was this that Daniel saw? This was someone who was of the same substance of God, who it came on the clouds that was a symbol of divine authority and of, of deity. Only in the Old Testament does God alone ride on the clouds. What is even more so, that whoever this was came before the Ancient of Days into his presence and was given his authority and glory and sovereign power over every inch of the earth. So who could this be? Well, it couldn't be Nebuchadnezzar. It couldn't be a king or royalty, a man who had some sort of power of worship or uh, over, the, over a nation? Because why? This king, this son of man, was given authority over all nations, over all languages. There was not a point on the planet was not under his control. Well, it couldn't have been an angel that came. It couldn't certainly have been someone because this was like a man. And so it couldn't have been an angel. And it wasn't the nation of Israel that was going forward. Yet instead, this was a person who was God and was man so who was this well this is where we were ahead of Daniel this because we know who this is this because we know it is Jesus himself Jesus who was fully God who was fully man who was both human and who was both God we know it was Jesus because Jesus was humanity we saw that Jesus was born in a manger we saw that Jesus was tired and that he was tested and that we know that Jesus died but we also know that Jesus was God because even in his temptation and tiredness and trials he was perfect we also know he was God because he healed and he raised people from the dead. We also know that he was part of the triune God because after he was crucified on the cross, three days later, he rose again and he is now seated at the right hand of God to reign and to rule forever. This God, this Jesus, this Son of Man came to be our Savior and our hope for our future rest in him because Jesus came this person came and though he was perfect 
died on a cross for our sins. The Bible tells us if we trust by faith, we will be saved. And this is the mission of Jesus. Mark 10, 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And the, the story of Zacchaeus, Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. It is the Son of Man who has come to reveal Himself to us sinners who are separated from Him. And friends, if you are threatened by sin or you're overwhelmed by sin, point your heart to the Savior. If you're a believer, the cross is a remedy to cast out sin and forgive others and to love others. And the cross is finally our guarantor of our future hope. Because it is through the cross that we have hope. It is through the cross that we have heaven. It is a home where God is and Jesus has made the way. Where there will never be a day where we feel like time is running out. Or as we get older, we never feel like it is a drain because there is no death. There is no, uh, there is no sadness. And even in this world, we know the hope that even if death would strike us today, we will be with him in paradise. Friends, there is nothing that compares to our future in Jesus. And there's a reminder to us that if you are unsaved, this world is the best thing you will ever experience. But if you're a child of God, born again, this world is the worst thing you will ever experience. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, he observed this. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have so become ineffective in this. Friends, why do Christians not chase money? Because they know their treasure is innumerable in the heaven to come? Why do people who are Christians forgive and take off bitterness because they know they are the worst offenders and that they have been forever forgiven in eternity with God? Why do some go to the mission field risking it all, not concerned for danger because they know heaven is their home? Why do Christian moms and dads stay strong when their child is riddled with disease because heaven is better. So let me ask you this morning. Do you know you'll be in heaven? Do you know heaven is your home? Have you trusted in the work of Jesus Christ to save you, to redeem you, and give you a new residence, which is heaven? I hope today you will trust in the work of Jesus to save you. But friends, do you live with the hope of heaven? Are you encouraged because you know the future 
helps you get through today? Does it lift your eyes off the challenges that you see today? Does it help you put your trust in God? Does it help you to see that Jesus is your everyday answer to hope? My prayer today is that we are encouraged by our future. Let us pray. God, I pray this morning that you would help us as we see the truth of God's word that heaven has been paved the way for, by Jesus. That I pray today that if there is someone here that does not know you, that their heart of stone would be pierced by the gospel. Today that they would trust you for their Savior for the first time. God, I pray that you would be encouragers to people here today that may be struggling with something in life, that may be struggling with, with things that make them locked up in fear. God, I pray today that you would lift their eyes to heaven and the future glory that is theirs in the new heavens and the new earth. That they would be secured by the hope of Jesus, that they would rest in what is real and what is true and how the future gives us strength for today. God, I pray that you would help us to endure even here in this world, knowing the heaven that is to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.